looking out, in this case, in the endless, what seems to be endless Atlantic Ocean, and God's calling you into the water. Whether you can swim or not, God will be faithful. So there is no endless of the depths of God of how much we can know Him. I can't say I can only go to 10 feet. I don't know. If I'm looking out across the Atlantic, I think it's a little deeper than 10 feet. But we can be drawn into that. And sometimes as He's drawing us into that water, those waves may be crashing, but He's still drawing us in. They may be still, but He's still drawing us in. And the anchor idea is in no matter what situation or location or relationship we are with God in our life, there's always an opportunity to know Him more through the fog, through the sunny days, through the snowy slush days. There's always an opportunity to know. And it will be... It will be the deciding factor of how you run your race and end it. Because the world is doing what the world is doing. And we have to be closer to knowing God. We said this before. Jesus was very clear when he said, My sheep hear my voice. So it's important. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. The anchor scripture was John 17, 3. The whole chapter of 17 we could live in. It's, it's just incredible as how Jesus is now exhibiting more of his relationship to the Father through his obedience and letting the disciples hear his prayer. It's just incredible. But he comes to this spot, and I don't have scriptures to go up here today. It's just a little low-key day. For goodness sakes, I'm wearing jeans today, all right? It's just low-key today, all right? You could laugh there. It's okay. So, so just hear the scripture as I read it, okay? So in John 7, 3, he said, and this is the way. This is Jesus saying, this is the way. The way is present. It's in front of you right now. To have eternal life. Not just the sweet by and by eternal life. We mentioned this, but we really need to ingrain this. Consumer Christianity says, I got saved. I'm waiting until I die. And I'll have eternal life. Yes, that's true. Eternal life and death. But he's talking about having eternal life while we're breathing and still need oxygen on this planet. That God, the reality of God, eternal life, can be in you and work through you while you're still on planet Earth. That should be one amen in this room. I think I heard my mom. Thank you. That's big. That we can be a representation of God in our lives. Matthew talks about, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not pray to get all things. Then look for God. Seek ye first. Do His will in your life, which is the best will. And then, it says in Matthew, Jesus is very clear, then all these things that you need, they'll be added to you. All the things you worry about and things that you find are not really eternal value and not as important, I'll bring, I'll bring focus into your life and provide your needs. But you've got to be seeking me. And this is what consumer Christianity doesn't do and what I believe at FCC Christ followers do do. We're seeking God daily to know Him more and do His will in this life. So he goes on. Jesus says in John 17, 3, the way to have eternal life, but that's, here's the key, to know you more, the only true God. And I mentioned this. Having eternal life 
I don't need to know God more because I'm in his face if we think we're in heaven. So he's talking about in our present time the way and being on earth. Does that make any sense? To know him more and have that eternal life while we're here today and doing that. That's our anchor scripture and thought in this whole series of knowing him more. We talk quickly about religion because I really downplay I say the word religion maybe like it's a swear word sometimes. But I just want to dissect this some more and take some time. Your individual belief in God is a religion. That's the origin of this word. My religion is me believing in something greater than myself. And that greater than myself is usually a greater being or superhuman entity. A.K.A. a divinity of something. So God will qualify for that. That's where, you're, where you meet God in, in, in activating a belief and faith in God. And that's religion. That is core. The problem is because man's so good at wanting to control things over time, they've created organized religion. And that's the swear word in my vocabulary. Because that keeps people from what God's really calling them to do and create their purpose. It creates middlemen. I'm a pastor, but I'm a human being too. It creates expectations with unachievable accountability at times. And it makes us think more about what we need to do instead of who we're becoming. So ingrain that in you. I want to make sure. Organize religion. I mean, some have good intentions, but it's, Jesus didn't start a church when he was here. He became the church, the head of it over time. He had disciples, but he was very clear what this is to be. And it also was brewing as in an individual relationship with Christ and everything comes out of it. Community is important. Family is important. We need to have that. But there's nothing greater than God. Nothing greater than our Creator. We need to know that. And then we talked about belief a little bit. And then even religion does this, organizes, takes that belief. And even, even as consumer Christians, we've, especially through our COVID days, you know, I believe, therefore, everything should work out. I believe, which means I solidify every belief in the Bible. Belief is a verb when Jesus was on this planet talking about it. It wasn't something you put on a shelf. I'm a believer. That's what he talked about. That's true. But your believing should be leaving you to becoming something, as I said earlier. Believing in God alone. And that's where faith comes into play. The, this is called Faith Christian Center. You, your starting point and ending point in life that you need to know is without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hang on, though. In Hebrews, it says that, but then we go a little bit further. Without without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's a rewarder that just keeps believing. He's a rewarder that keeps seeking. There's that word again. So our faith will grow as we keep seeking and doing His will. Does that make sense? So we need faith. We're believing in a, a God that is not visible, and the only image we have is Jesus, which is pretty gosh darn good enough. Paul talked about Jesus is the image of the invisible God in Colossians or Corinthians, I believe. So we need to know that, but we need to understand that faith is a tool. We don't worship faith. We worship our God. So there's a fine line. My faith will heal me. No, it won't. God will heal you. Your faith in Him will heal you. 
God doesn't want, and we'll talk about that maybe next week, God doesn't want any contamination of pride. He can't work, he doesn't want to work in it. He works in humility, and we'll talk about that another time. Oh boy, here we go. Pastor John talked Wednesday. I'm going on a limb because I was traveling, I didn't hear it all, but I think it was about being holy, how God is holy. We need to understand that he's a holy God, and at the core we need to fear God, not fear that he's some guy with a big beard and a sword that zaps us if we do something wrong, but one in translation for me is I fear him so much because I can't live without him. I'm in fear. I need him. And the reverence of holiness that this planet Earth is his baseball field, his ball, his mitt, his bat, his rules. He can do whatever he wants. And he created you and I out of that to be a design, to be holy and reverent to an almighty God. Almighty God. We need to know how that is. We talked about quickly about the importance as we were coming into our believing and having faith in this Jesus of what he did on the cross for us and that God's love almost bankrupt heaven to send him down, as we learn in Christmas, a gift to us. Love came down. And we begin to believe that, wow, Jesus died for you and I so that we will have eternal life, but also eternal life here and now. And we begin to make that decision that a preacher may say or a friend that believes in Jesus say, can, do you want to accept Christ into your life? And that's a decision you make. In many cases, we pray the sinner's prayer. That's powerful. We need that starting point. But I kind of drew, dropped a grenade in a pool yesterday, last week, and it blew up later. But I won't, just because you say the sinner's prayer doesn't mean you're going to heaven. We can camp in this, but I don't want to do it right now. But it's, Jesus never said, the only thing he made a template for was a prayer, but it wasn't that prayer. We need to have a starting point and accept Christ into our life. And confession is a big part of that. But that's a beginning point. So here's where the issue goes. And I had to grow in this too. Many Christians have believed they've made the decision in a service. And it was a real honest decision. But they have not created a discipline to sustain that decision during their life. Digest that. Amen. This is a shouting message today again. That's why I'm sitting down. So you have many Christians that made the decision and they're just shooting for heaven. That's a risk. You have better luck at a casino, I think, but that's a risk. Careful. God calling you to so much more because that decision wasn't a title of Christian. That decision was engaging in a relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't know. Where was I going with that? Okay, yeah. So, so that's, that's a decision you made. But it's so important for churches and, and brothers and sisters to, to come together and then help that decision sustain by helping you remind you that there's some discipline if you're going to become a Christ follower. Jesus was very clear. This road is narrow. It's not wide. It's not wide. There's going to be a cost here. And that's what you're going to hear this year. There's a cost to knowing him more. But that cost is so small compared to the rewards of having peace, joy, healing, clarity. When the world's going to you know where in a hell, well, hell in a handbasket, sorry. 
So the discipline, let's talk about that. Discipline is so important. And we talked about spending time in the Bible. We say this over and over. I'm changing my vocabulary. This is for me. Maybe not for you. But I'm stopping to say read my Bible. Because read builds a stigmatism in myself that I'm just going to read it. There's a difference. Spend time in your Bible. Spend time in it. Because if you, if you, it seems like I'm splitting hairs, but for me, I need this. So let me be selfish here. Splitting, if I'm spending time in it, I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide everything. I may have a, a, a chapter or, or a book I'm, I'm spending time in, but I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to digest it and hear what it's saying to me. That's a discipline you need to have. So you need to spend time in the Word daily. It's not easy. But you have to make a discipline for that. You need to worship Him daily. We just did worship and giving. That's something you can do. Worship, we had a worship, praise and worship team that are amazing. You can do that in your car, in your shower. If you can't sing well, do it alone. But you can worship. Worship songs. You should have worship music playing. I love jazz music. I love rock and roll, but it does not fill me like worship music. Worship music. See, and then uh, we'll spend a little time. Oh, man, we are not at yeah, 10.30. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm hoping to get everybody out a little early today. We, we in, in the early days, and we still say this, praise and worship. Praise is so important. But can I have the CP translation? Praise is so important. It engages you. It brings you to a place. But for me, I find that praise has me activated by remembering what he's done for me and the hope of what he'll continue to do. And those are important things. But if we're talking in this context of knowing God more, that praise eventually, if I want to know the heart of God, needs to convert into worship. It has nothing to do with a tempo or a tune, but it's a heart. Worship comes where I step out in faith. God's done this in praise. We need this. We need to shout. We need to jump. I'll talk about that in a minute. But, but worship is when we become, or I know for me, Beholding, I'm coming to the edge of the throne room of God. I don't need to do a lot of talking and clapping and anything else because I'm overwhelmed by whom I'm about to behold. His majesty. And it's less a reaction and more a response. They're all good. But if we're wanting to know God more, our worship needs to increase. Focus solely on Him. Who He is. I don't care if He does anything again for me. He doesn't owe me anything. He is an almighty God. And as you begin to behold that in the majesty, it'll wreck you and mark you. It'll cause you to cry. If you want to know a symptom, you're, you're worshiping and you're starting to surrender what you think is important and all, because you're in front of a holy and almighty loving God. You will, you will weep. You will fall to your knees. And we're going to see more of that this year. 
If you're uncomfortable with this, there's a church somewhere else you can go. No, I'm seeing, we're going to do this. We've got we to gotta know God more. We have to. And it's not circus. It's just coming closer to the beholding of the Lamb. And all He is. Because when you actually see His glory and more of that in worship, you can rest a lot easier in anything else. So praise is important. Worship is important. You need both. But if we want to know God more, we've got to increase our worship. That can happen for you. It doesn't need to happen in this room. It happens in the car. Heavenly Father, I worship you. Holy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. I can't sing, but I mean, you just sing. And then your spirit will start birthing that out and you'll begin to behold them. I was, uh, uh, we're not getting far today. I was at, um, my son and I made a last uh, decision and you'll hear more of this coming up because I'm still trying to process it. But we went to a, an event this week called Passion. Passion 2024. It's been going on for about 25 years through a pastor down in Atlanta. And it was three days event. And it was mainly for 18 and, and 25 year olds. Um, so I was the minority. Um, but it was okay. Um, so we filled this stadium, about 55,000 people. I am not exaggerating. Uh, maybe 95% it was the, the young adults. And it's very worship-driven, but very good teaching. Our fellow uh, uh, person that came out of FCC, Earl McClellan, was there. He was preaching one day, so that was wonderful to see him in that. Um, but here's my point. They titled the event, and I'll talk more about it down the road, but they titled the event Passion. I was convicted a lot. Conviction's good, right? The Holy Spirit was like, Are you, I, I need to appraise. Do I, do, am I a passionless Christ follower? Passion is simply an expression. Almost like God had to give us Jesus. But passion can be an expression of worship too. Like we said, crying and raising our hands and surrendering things to, to Almighty God. But there were 55,000, including myself, that were passionate about Jesus. And I just think, are there many Christians that have no passion? They believe principle and doctrine, they can quote a verse. But do you have passion in the real reality of who's living inside of you? Because passion can get contagious, I noticed in a room of 55,000 people, very quickly. And they weren't just parts of jumping around and singing. That was great. But this was one thing that blew my top in a good way. The Holy Spirit would consistently cause everybody just to be still. You're talking in a football arena with 55,000 people many of them young adults, I could hear a pin drop at times. That's the Holy Spirit moving in reverence and honor. But it was the passion. So we'll talk more about passion, but oh man, it's, a, it's, a, it was, it's amazing. It may cause you to loosen a tie occasionally, but it's all for the glory of God. It's amazing. So we, t- we talked about, obviously, the discipline And the discipline that we're still talking about, um, the other part of discipline is also, we talk about spending time in the Word, uh, worshiping, praying, 
Another thing that God's revealing to me is say a lot of prayers are going to get answered when we're praying for other people. Hang on, there was a comma there. We're so self-considered, and I am too, sometimes myself. I need prayer for this and this and this. You need it, that's fine, great. But I think some of the answering you're going to get is to to what level have you been praying for other people during that stage? You look in the, the Bible, Paul was not praying about himself much. He was praying for the church. Jesus was not, I mean, you, you've got the interlude in, 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 in the garden before the cross where he's sweating drops of blood. He was getting personal there. But a majority of disciples who were called to be, and even Jesus were called to be filled with, you don't see a lot about them praying about their needs. We have them. I'm not throwing faith out. You don't have, you have needs. But if we put other people's prayer and needs in front of that, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be answered unto you. I'm stepping on toes today. Happy New Year 2024. The other thing I want to say is, and I mentioned this too, is when your discipline is going well, you know, making this and praying for somebody else, um, spending time in the Word, worshiping, things like that, you'll start seeing in your life where discipline starts converting into a desire. Or it's not a checkoff list. It's the heart of God you've touched. And this is the desire that you have to do these things. And this is what separates consumer Christianity from those who are following Christ. I become desirable. I want to spend time in the Word. I want to get out of bed and worship God. I want to pray for the needs of others. I want my will to become His will. Desire. Some of you, and this was in my prayer time this morning. I don't, I don't have time to read it, man. I'm not throwing a lot of scripture today. I'm sorry. But in Luke, it, well, no. So some of you are at a point where you think you have desire and you're hitting a stalemate. Things are coming at you and we're blaming the enemy too much sometimes. But things are, and he's real. Things are, follow me, things are coming after you and you think you're someplace that you're not and you think you're in desire, but God's saying you are. You're desiring me more but I need you to go a little further into that ocean. So here's my example. You had the woman with the issue of blood in Luke, where she had this blood condition and tried every physician, everything under the sun, and she heard Jesus was coming to town. How she got to Jesus was led by her desire of wanting more and more and more. And God may be calling you right now to step a little further into the uncomfortable zone to get to where God needs you to go. Go deeper in that water, even if the waves are crashing. The other one was, how about the great band of foursome that brought the paraplegic man, had to rip off a roof and drop him down in front of Jesus. That wasn't convenient. But they had a desire. They felt drawn to go further than needed to go to get the healing for their friend. There are some things in your life, and I'll end on this part, that God's calling you to get that answer, get that direction. You need to go a little bit further. You need to turn the furnace up of desire in your heart a little more. Stir things up. Does that make sense? Because that's okay. Because when you do that, he's leading to where you want to go anyhow. Healing, financial restoration, whatever. But he's pulling us further and you have to, you have to be ready to surrender that. Go deeper, deeper. We talked yesterday... Uh, yeah, sorry. And I even said it was 2014 last week, too, I think. It was. And I was not prophesying, thank God. 
Um, last Sunday, thank you, Gary. Yeah, I talked about the other element of knowing God more is you'll start hearing the voice of truth more. We have opinions that people have turned into truths, made their life upon them, and identities and different things. But the voice of truth is the only truth. And that comes from the heart of God. So as Christians, we need to, if we're knowing God more, we're going to hear that voice of truth more, like Jesus said, hearing his voice. We have to hear it. Because it will split things in half when the world or some friends that you love say, this is what we need to do. And you're hearing a different voice saying, no, this is what I need to do. It's opposite of the world in many cases. Russ Taff, our beloved friend that was here many a few years ago with the Imperials, wrote a wonderful song. I listen to the trumpet of Jesus. Well, the world, they hear a different sound. I march to the trumpet of God Almighty. Well, the others unfortunately, are walking around. I'm a member of the Holy Ghost Traveling Band. This was written in the 80s. Bear with me. I'm moving on up to a better land, I think it is. Listen to that voice of truth. It's so important. And I talked about one great way of listening to the voice of truth is for you to stop talking and listen more. We had the Mark Twain quote, although he's not, we hope he went to heaven maybe, but who knows? It didn't, the way he lived his life, you don't know, but we're not the judge. God has said, if we were to talk more than listen, he would have gave us a pair of mouths instead of a pair of ears. Listen more. The voice of truth is always speaking, but we need to know that because it's God's heart that is talking. When we begin to hear the voice of truth, it also draws us into a greater maturity in our lives. Amen, brother. Maturity isn't knowing more books of the Bible than your neighbor. It's good. Maturity is being more obedient than your neighbor to the voice of truth. Amen. Here's a voice of truth that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 11. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Again, he's speaking truth, the voice of truth to them. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. Wow, he's not being nice. Sometimes the voice of truth will convict. Amen. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Why? When you say, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Paulus, aren't you acting just like people of the world? And he goes on, speaking a voice of truth to them through God-inspired words, that you're not where you think you are. So come through obedience and, and gain maturity. So some of the voice of truth can be harsh at times. Pastor Chris, spend more time in the Word. Yeah, but I got a meeting right now. It's easier to have the meeting. <laughs> There's times the conviction there. It's important that the voice of truth can convict. The voice of truth convicts, but it also can confirm things in your life. Say, I'm believing for something, or I've been praying about something. 
And that confirmation is the voice of truth. The voice of truth will mainly come from the Word of God. That is our map. But it comes from the Holy Spirit talking to you through that. You need to invite the Holy Spirit every morning. We had a whole series called The Compass. Every morning, speak to me so I can hear the voice of truth. The voice of truth can also come from other people around you. But let me say, let me qualify them. (laughs) Those that are following Christ and are speaking through humility in your life. Not to puff themselves up and start an international ministry. That was a joke. But that they really have your best interest. The voice of truth will confirm things in your life through the word, through prayer and the Holy Spirit speaking and others around you and certainly others around that you have authority over you. They can speak truth into you. They can direct you. As we know, David was called, he, the heart, he knew the heart of God, David, remember? And in Psalm 119.13, he talks about the footsteps will be led by the voice of truth. Direct my footsteps according to your voice of truth and word. Let no sin rule over me. David knew the voice of truth that he kept hearing and hearing and hearing. Another thing that can come from the voice of truth is discernment, and as I said earlier, just a minute ago, in direction. Discernment and direction. The voice of truth, when you have fog on your windshield, when you have fog in your life, you don't need clarity. Or you have somebody in your life saying one thing and another person saying something else and you need to make a decision or something. The voice of truth can speak and give you discernment on the right where to go. And the the symptoms of that is usually it comes in a form of wisdom. But that's the voice of truth. Direction. What job should I take? Listen for the voice of truth. Who should I marry? Who should I not? Voice of truth for you young people. Listen to the voice of truth. It's speaking. The voice of truth will help you avoid a lot of collisions in your life. It will. I'm still trying to learn that, but I believe it. (laughs) It will. So it's so important knowing this and doing this. So we talked about today, and next week we'll have to go further, but um, we talked about, you know, uh, if we're looking to know God more, you're standing on a shoreline on a beach, and God's asking you to come further into the water, to know him more. But it may feel uncomfortable because you may not be able to stand on anything except you floating in the water. But that allows him to work more in you because you're trusting more in him than anybody else. And in every situation in your life, we can know God more. We can know, make that the heart of everything. If, I'm sorry, if something hits the fan tomorrow, God, this is not a good thing. But let me know you more in it. What are you directing me? What is the voice of truth we just talked about? What is this? Easier said than done, but when you do it more and more, and that discipline becomes more of a desire, you'll become into more of the fullness of Christ. Because that's our goal. We want to get filled with Christ more. Do what he did in this life. Spurgeon said if we get more of the fullness of Christ in us, we'll see the lessness of everything else around us. So dive into that. Dive into that. Next week, we're going to talk more about drawing nearer to God. Talk about love that leads. And then talk about, if we have time, uh, if you have input, meaning you're getting input as following Christ, you should have some output. 
affecting the lives of people around you. So, why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, well, I believe, speaking through me today. Not my words, but your words, Lord. And as I humble myself and continue in this series of knowing you more, Lord, that you are speaking to the hearts of your people at FCC, Lord. Through your Holy Spirit, you know where each and every one of us is. And the great thing is you can reach us wherever we are and draw us in to know us more. Lord, let us know that we've made a decision, many of us in this room and online, to follow you and have a relationship with you. And in that, through your Holy Spirit, show us where our disciplinary activities can grow maybe in certain areas. But continue to remind us as that discipline grows, those desires grow greater in us like a furnace. Fan fan those flames, Lord, for that so we can see and do your will in our lives. And again, give us that stillness where we can hear the voice of truth when there's so much noise around us. Give us the discernment through that. Give us the, the direction and the confirmation and the correction through conviction in that. Give it all to us, Lord, as we open arms, surrender our lives to us, to you, Father God. And we know you love us so much, so much. Lord, give us safety today in our travels. And as you are, be with us every day until the next time we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Those online, thank you for joining us too. And we're going to know God more as we continue to journey through this. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings.